Hey everybody, Z here, hoping you're having a wonderful day. If you've been following this show, you'll know that I am uh, somewhat of a fan of the great everything. Becoming lesser so as time goes on. Let me explain. The great Patrick, uh, his intro is Conversations about Culture, Philosophy, and the Quest for Moral Wisdom. Become a Better Human. Now, I've already suggested to Patrick that he should change that intro to narration about stuff I like, my opinions on philosophers, and inquiry on morality and wisdom. Become a human. Now, I think if that was the intro, then his show would be perfect. There would be no lying. But as it stands, he has definitely not expressed an interest in conversation. Mostly what he is doing is narrating and then reciting his extrapolations. If your quest is for moral wisdom, then you are experiencing it right now. And become a better human, well, you have to become a human first before you can be better at it. And to say that our species has attained human is a gross misrepresentation of what we are. By scientific standards, we're about 50 to 100 years away from attaining what we call human. And this is uh, especially important because morality inevitably comes from what we perceive as being human. So we really have to attain and embrace our humanity before we can really define our morality. Lucky for us, we have two modes of correction. We have internal correction or self-correction, and we have external correction. External when other people remind us or correct us. Or other things, hell, a dog, a tree, can correct you quite nicely. Now, this thing about lying is, it's not an easy thing. Our language is still being refined, and often the mere use of our language corners us into a lie. But if you choose your words carefully and maintain honest communication, both with yourself and other people, you can correct this tendency, this lying tendency. And it should be understood that when someone is lying to you, often it's also theft. You see, because if time is money and I waste my time listening to your lies of course only finding out later that they're lies then you've not just uh, lied to me you've also stolen from me in fact you've stolen something from me that I will never be able to get back and that's time you know I think these subtle little lies are more important to get to than the big obvious lies we would all like to have conversations about culture. But I think it's rather insidious to mostly offer narration. And well, philosophy is like uh, opinions, right? We all have one. And that was words by missing persons. You know, well, if you're listening on Anchor, the, that was words by missing persons. Um, I met Dale Bozio, that's the singer. Um, Terry Bozio was the drummer, an amazing drummer. Um, but I met 
Dale Bozio won Missing Persons was, well, when, when Terry left the band and she had to reform the band and uh, she was interested in having me play bass. Uh, but I, that never happened and Missing Persons never really uh, was able to reform. Well, I mean, they did, but, uh, you know, it was a pale comparison. I mean, how are you going to replace Terry Bolzio? And that's the main reason why I didn't pursue it any further was because I wanted to play with Terry Bolzio, not with missing persons. Sorry, Dale. And I'm not a fan in general of uh, female pop singers, but I really did uh, like or do like uh, Dale's singing. I love the lyrics, the words to that uh, song. When no one listens, there's no use talking at all. So yeah, back in the 80s, we already had these problems. I, I swear to you, the world has paused from 1977. It's just paused. There's been no real new art, no new music, no new nothing since 1977. Oh, the same old shit's been repackaged and resold, for sure. You know, I listen to these TED Talks and various intellectuals talk on YouTube. I'd swear they're mostly trying to catch up to 1977. And that's the issue we're having, isn't it? Too many people talking, not enough people listening. And because people want to be heard, they got real good at talking now, didn't they? They ain't get very good at making any sense. Not just talking, just howling, because all the other dogs in the neighborhood are howling. Words are not actions. And there's definitely a contingent in our culture that has confused words for actions. Now, the problem with that is words are a great way to vet our actions. Right? We can say stuff, and then if... uh we don't like what we said or someone else doesn't like what we said we can always take that back we can always change what we say we could reiterate we can clarify but actions are set in stone they're they're set in the ether of eternity the two things should not be confused I mean, this concept of hate speech and uh, cyberbullying is bullshit. Come on. Words are not actions, and we really need to teach our youth this, but I guess we also need to teach the adults this now. And as, Le as Lenny Bruce says, the suppression of a word is what gives it its power. So you can't make this confusion. Go censoring yourself and censoring other people. It's, it's really not healthy. You know, it's by the communication of ideas, both good and bad, that allow us to vet those ideas before we act upon them. Words, you know, change meanings. So that's why a dictionary is always your friend, not just a friend when you were in school, but it's always your friend. A recent example of this is I was really frustrated with people's usage of the word theory. Well, I looked at a dictionary and found that the definition of the term is what the problem is. And it turns out, historically speaking, it turns out that the definition for theory 
has been a long-standing controversy. I believe by 1913, the discrepancy was actually included in the definition, but then later omitted. Now, words are probably changing their definitions more rapidly than ever, but not that rapidly. I mean, come on. We can essentially uh, all agree upon the language easily enough. Words are not actions. Integrity Radio. To understand or break down the complexity, we square up, we exponentiate. Everything in nature comes in twos. But when it comes to function, that's where we need the three to triangulate. Three is that universal working power. Maybe something we have to understand about power. This function has great potential for power. It's not necessarily the other way around. Power does not necessarily have great potential for function. Two is like a shoe, but three is like a tree. That bears many fruit. Infinity, zero, and one. Now, I'm not a mathematician, so I'm not talking math theory here. I'm speaking more about the pragmatic symbology and definition of these numbers. And at best, infinity, zero, and one are place markers for person, places, or things unknown. Now, I'm not being philosophical here. I am staying within the concepts and realms of science and reason. And uh, science has had a very difficult time coming up with a, an actual singularity. And I alone, who prior to my birth infinitely did not exist, well, I interrupted that. We have all interrupted infinity. And the sign of the cross always adds one, right? All right, well, that was a little philosophical. Sorry. And zero, Sefer. The devil is in the detail. No thing, zero, nothing. There is no such thing as no thing. There's plenty of something that we are unable to see and incapable of seeing. We're able to see more and more thanks to science. But, uh, yeah, there's always something. And if you read uh, Professor Lawrence Krauss's book, Something from Nothing, you will learn that something had to come from no thing. So infinity, zero, and one are place markers at best. They're question marks. And they kind of have served us well. I'm not going to deny that. I mean, in nature, there are no straight lines, yet we've utilized the concept of a straight line to uh, a great degree of success. Well, success in quotes. Oh, that Lawrence Krauss book is actually called A Universe from Nothing. Quite a good read. And if you're having a hard time imagining something coming from nothing, then simply imagine leaving a room for, oh, I don't know, three weeks, six months, and then coming back into that room. 
you'll see plenty of something that has accumulated there, even though you've locked the door and not allowed anyone in. But then you might say, well, that's dust. We can't see that. Precisely. Dust plus a long length of time equals eventually dust that you can see. And again, there's a lot of things that we do not see, but we know that they're still there. And you cannot really call that nothing. Sure, there is what we now know as fundamental particles, but we've always had fundamental particles. Back in Roman times, it was called an atom, right? Something that couldn't be split anymore. <laughs> Now these fundamental particles are known as gluons and muons and flavors and all that stuff. And absolute zero. Well, that's a huge thing in science. We're still trying to achieve absolute zero. That has not been achieved yet either. So what do, what do I mean by that? I'm talking about thermodynamics, about temperature. So I suppose you could say that infinity, zero, and one are highly subjective. Now, I know math is probably the most important language that we have as humans, but I can't imagine it being perfect. Integrity Radio.
You just listened to No Cross and Forming Life. Those are two songs that I wrote and recorded off of the Aftertaste album. Now, officially, we're coming up on the last song from the album, which is called Raining on the Fire, subtitled Looking for Alice. The reason I've added this album to the this past week of uh, segments is because although it was record, uh, written late 80s and recorded uh, maybe in the early 90s, I don't know, it might have been even recorded in the late 80s, but it was all recorded on a four track, a little cassette four track. I was uh, able to show the bass player, the bass part, and the drummer, the drum part, and they did a great job with that. And then uh, the great Doug Hill singer came in and played guitar and did some wonderful um, improvisation, uh, a.k.a. solos on guitar. And um, yeah, he's just an incredible guitar player. And in fact, all of the players on this particular album are just incredible. Now, unfortunately, my voice quality actually got better after this recording. And perhaps uh, in later segments, I'll play some of the uh, stuff that has the better voice quality. So, yeah, I decided to play this album because I think even though it was recorded way back when, probably some of you weren't even born, uh, (laughs) it's still significant. And we're actually living through these things. Uh, It's it's spooky. It's almost... uh, Prophetic, I guess would be the word. So the last song on the album, uh, Raining on the Fire, is, uh, I think, again, uh, very, almost 20, what, 30 years? It's going to be 30 years pretty soon. Oh, my God. Written eons ago and still poignant, still significant. Lyrically speaking, I mean, the music, I love the music. I think the music is timeless, but I think that the lyrical content of uh, what I was singing about is actually timely. And Raining on the Fire, yes, the next song I'm going to play for you, and the last song on the album, is all about that, man, just trying to keep that fire alive trying to attain our humanity and and i really think that it's it's been raining on the fire and and yes the fire can burn and (laughs) the fire can be dangerous but it also is what brings life you'll have to excuse me while i speak in metaphors here you know that fire can be the fire from within us uh, the fire w- within society, the fire within mankind, the fire to resist what we know damn well is wrong. And it's raining on the fire. And so we have to protect the fire. Sure, we have to control it, we have to contain it, but more importantly, 
we have to protect the fire. Protecting the fire is a bit of, it's probably our first bit of technology. We've become too complacent. We've become too accepting of inequalities between our fellow man and woman. <laughs> We've become so self-absorbed that we have neglected the fire. It's raining on the fire. And it's all because we're self-absorbed Alice's staring into the looking glass. Integrity Radio.
You know, a lot of people talk about racial prejudice, and some people have gone so far as to say that there are actually two Americas, one black and one white. But talk is cheap. So I decided to look into the problem myself, firsthand, to go underground and actually experience America as a white man. I hired the best makeup people in the business. If I was going to pass as a white man, everything had to be perfect. Mm, I think that's a little light. Okay, let's try this. This, uh, I look kind of Harry Reems-ish. Mm, I like it. I studied for my role very carefully. I watched lots of Dynasty. See? See how they walk? Their butts are real tight when they walk. They gotta keep their butts tight. I gotta remember to keep my, my butt real tight when I walk. And I read a whole bunch of Hallmark cards. <laughs> my lovely wife. You always mean lots more to me than you could ever guess, for you have done so much to fill my life with happiness. Finally, I was ready. <laughs> What are you doing? I'm buying this newspaper. That's all right. There's nobody around. Go ahead, take it. Take it. Go ahead, take it. Yeah, take it. Slowly, I began to realize that when white people are alone, they give things to each other for free. <laughs> there was only one other black man on the bus. got off on 45th Street. more serious than I'd ever imagined. Now, let me get this straight, Mr. Uh, Mr. White. You'd like to borrow $50,000 from my bank, but you have no collateral. You have no credit. You don't even have any ID. Is that correct? That's right. <laughs> Mr. White, I'm sorry. This is not a charity. This is a business. Uh, Harry, why don't you uh, take your break now? I'll take care of... Uh, 
Mr. White. Oh. Okay. Thanks, Bob. <laughs> that was a close but one. <laughs> we don't have to bother with these formalities, do we, Mr. White? Huh? <laughs> what a silly Negro. <laughs> Just take what you want, Mr. White. Pay us back any time. Or don't. We don't care. <laughs> Tell me, do you know of any other banks like this in this area? So what did I learn from all of this? Well, I learned that we still have a very long way to go in this country before all men are truly equal. But I'll tell you something. I got a lot of friends, and we've got a lot of makeup. So the next time you're hugging up with some really super groovy white guy, or you met a really great, super keen white chick, don't be too sure. They might be black.
Of course, dictionaries aren't perfect. And uh, okay, and a good example of this is the word magic and the word fire. Now, these are two words that, as far as humans are concerned, would be intrinsically connected. However, if you look up the dictionary, uh, the definition of these terms, you won't see the term magic or fire related to one another at all. And they're intrinsically connected. And no, I'm not saying that fire is magic, but that's the origins. I mean, in the early days, everything was magic. Now listen, you don't need to be an etymologist in order to make sense of words. The first magic was done by way of fire. Even if you look at the first projections, were done with a flame and a shadow being cast. And think of how magical it was for those people that figured out how to make instant fire before instant fire was a thing. Imagine. Now, if you really studied fire, then you would be able to do things with fire that were just... You couldn't even imagine that you could do these things with fire, such as, you know, make iron and eat way more things. So, you know, the dictionary is your friend, but it's not the only, it's not the end all. Dynamics of space and time make it so meanings and definitions often get lost. Well, we gotta keep in mind that the origins of the word are not necessarily the same as the meaning of a word. So before we stand too firmly behind the definition and the meaning of a word, we should also look into the origins of a particular word. I think that will help us a lot more. Charles Bukowski was a great American writer, poet, and uh, two more recent lines that I've um, discovered are... Find what you love and let it kill you. <laughs> and I think the other one is my ambition is handicapped by my laziness. <laughs> no, no. Anybody out there read Bukowski? Got any Bukowski favorites? Hello, Z. Okay, words are not action. You're right. Well, thought is not action. But to take an action, you have to have a thought. To say words, you have to have a thought. So words and action are connected by thought. We all live in our physical bodies, yes. But we also live in our heads. So, words that are, can be destructive, they can hurt people. Yes, words are not 
action, but they can cause a reaction and they can be hurtful. Hi, Aaron. Thanks for your call. I'm going to give what you uh, said some more thought, but I just wanted to give my initial reaction. If you listen to yourself, maybe you can hear how much convolution goes in to saying what you said. Now, words certainly can't hurt you, but what they can hurt is your feelings. And I've certainly had my feelings hurt many times with words. But again, having your feelings hurt is not the same as actually having your physical body hurt. And none of us should really be so sensitive that we can't have our feelings hurt. And I've published many segments regarding our feelings. In fact, I've put up many, many segments regarding emotional intelligence, and that's what this is all connected to. So in short, my initial response is yes, your feelings can get hurt, but they don't have to. And as much as it feels oh, physical, having your feelings hurt is nowhere the same as having your physical body hurt. Nor should these two things be treated the same way. In fact, every man should be strong enough to survive having their feelings hurt. Maybe if we just uh, change the, the terms instead of feelings hurt, maybe it could be feelings stimulated. All right, again, thanks for calling. And uh, if I come up with anything better, I'll, uh, I'll add it later.